Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Lucas. And we are two aspiring filmmakers making unnecessary commentary on famous movies. Each week, we will randomly select a film to analyze, discuss, and review. We will select the film at the end of each podcast, so you will have ample time to watch the movie before the next episode. We are slightly qualified film students. Hello! Hello! Yo, yo. Welcome to another episode of Slightly Qualified Film Students. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are here today to talk about uh, the 2013 film Enemy, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and directed by Denis Villeneuve. Pretty acclaimed director. His uh, other notable work, I guess, being Prisoners, um, Arrival, and the Blade Runner 2049, as well as the upcoming film Dune, which is looking pretty insane with a Mm -hmm. massive budget. Yeah, and I guess kind of sticking with his theme that he had going on with this and Arrival, some pretty uh, mind-boggling stuff. Let me just read the plot summary real quick. Adam, a college professor, spots an actor in a movie who looks exactly like him. Adam tracks down his doppelganger and starts living his life secretly, which gives birth to a complex situation. I think uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is probably one of my favorite actors working right now. Um, he he just he has really good uh, movie selection, but he also he, ha- he has such a range where mm-hmm. I mean, you can look at all the way from Donnie Darko, Brokeback Mountain to Prisoners and then Nightcrawler and then Nightcrawler Enemy. I mean, is probably he has my like such a huge performance from him. Yeah, he has such a huge filmography. But if you look at the con- contrasting Nightcrawler to Prisoners or something, he has such a uh, impeccable range, which makes him such a such a fun actor to watch on screen. Yeah, I know Enemy Enemy is shot in Toronto and premiered at TIFF. Um and it mm-hmm. was named yeah. Best Canadian Film of the Year. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we're Represent. keeping it local with this one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and with this one, it kind of has a style similar to uh, Place Beyond the Pines with that sort of indie, uh, widescreen-looking yeah. aesthetic. You know, Children of Men and Atonement mm-hmm. were obviously not widescreen and some more Hollywoody stuff. This yeah. is our uh, lowest budget film so far. Uh, it had about a $5 million budget. Yeah. Which is uh, definitely our lowest so far. Definitely lowest. So yeah, uh, yeah. I guess for kind of my standout scene, we'll go into this before the analysis. Um, I mm-hmm. put the uh, the scene where Jake Gyllenhaal first meets Jake Gyllenhaal in a hotel room. Um mm. Yeah. This is after he, you know, the first Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Adam, who's a professor, uh, you know, watches a movie and sees this doppelganger. Uh, they eventually meet up in this hotel room. And, you know, at first, when you're thinking about two people who are exactly the same meeting up, you think that it would... I don't know, it doesn't seem like something that would be super creepy, but when it happens in the film, man, it's like, there's just something so strange and unsettling about the whole scene. Uh, I think that this... Yeah, this film, like, throughout is just so unsettling. It's really unsettling. And it's not even that clear why. Uh, 
I think it has a lot to do with the performances mm-hmm. as well as the subject matter. Um, and the performance in this scene is mm-hmm. just yeah. chilling. Like Adam, once Adam kind of comes to terms with the facts that uh, Anthony is exactly, you know, the same, they even have the same scar. He gets like really freaked mm-hmm. out and runs away. Yeah, yeah that's just kind of, I've only seen this film once. This is my first time watching it. And I think I'll gain a lot more knowledge about what I think happened on the second viewing because honestly it it was very confusing mm-hmm. as a first watch. I knew going in it would be and it did not disappoint. Okay. Uh my standout scene was when Helen, which is Anthony's wife, Anthony's wife who is pregnant, um meets Adam at the university where he teaches. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Um I don't know. I just really liked this scene. I thought that it there was a lot to analyze within this scene, even though it's fairly simplistic. Um, and I just thought the performances on both sides were both sides were like very, very strong and compelling. Yeah. And I think that just overall how this scene plays out and how it's crafted and how if you dig deeper and really try and analyze this scene, there's so much uh, so much to look at. So, um, yeah, I chose that as my standout scene. This film was kind of weird for standout scenes because the entire film almost feels like it's one giant sequence of events, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. It doesn't feel like there's cut and uh, cut and paste scenes. It feels like more like everything kind of flows in a very non-linear way um, throughout mm-hmm. the entire 90-minute runtime. So, um yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say for standout scenes, but uh, that was my personal favorite scene um, besides the uh, spectacular ending. Yeah, I like the ending too, although um, just on a scene level, it's fairly basic, so I didn't necessarily want to put it as my standout. Um, but it is definitely probably mm-hmm. the most confusing moment Uh which you can either look at as a good thing if you love open endings or a bad thing if you would rather be told what happened. Um, yeah. And I guess before we go any further into our analysis, at this point, if you haven't seen Enemy, you should really go watch it because major spoilers coming up We're get real some soon. Major spoilers. Yeah. So stop listening now if you haven't seen the film. Yeah. But if you have, uh, this is, I guess, our take on what happened or what the plot is what the themes are (laughs) what is going on and what is with those spiders yeah um so i'm interested because i know that two years ago i absolutely spoiled this film's ending for you you Um, did actually and i it definitely (laughs) was still in my mind i knew that it was going to end with him (laughs) seeing the spider yeah which kind of sucks because i i uh the first time i watched that ending i jumped so high i (laughs) people should know i am deathly terrified of spiders me too Um, me too i was like the whole time (laughs) during that scene i knew it was happening and i was like six feet away from my monitor just i knew it was gonna happen and i was still not ready (laughs) um yeah it that that because it's such a it's not even a jump scare you know there's no like sound effect or anything that like should 
that is like crafted as a jump scare it's just like it's just scary it's so scary um but uh before we get into the spiders let's let's discuss the um overarching just plot line of this film and what we think is going on uh so i'm interested what your take is so my point of view which is uh i guess i don't really have many bold claims to make but i guess kind of what i'm thinking right now is that this film is about uh one man and kind of him struggling to um accept his self-conscious his self-conscience um i think that mm-hmm. there's not actually a doppelganger um which i think i kind of yeah. was picking up on for just the little things like say mm-hmm. when he sees the picture you know uh anthony and adam yeah. both have yeah. the same picture with the same wife which yeah. also brings me yeah to what I really think the reason for him struggling with his self-conscious is that I think also I got a little help from Gyllenhaal because I was watching interviews and this is kind of what he thought it was about too. Um, right. And I have to agree is that uh, uh, Adam cheated on his wife um, and he's like struggling to accept that fact and he's having a hard time mm-hmm. staying with her and i think that yeah brings kind of into the spiders sure yeah uh so this is my second time watching the movie um the first time i watched it i had no clue what happened and i genuinely had no idea because <laughs> i was a naive child who decided to watch a movie not knowing what was going to happen and not understanding anything about anything so uh on the second viewing i felt like i had a much stronger grasp on what was sort of going on with this film i don't feel like i have i know 100 percent by any means but i think i have a decent idea um what's going on and i read i read a lot of um different analysis and i can tell you right now that there are some that are correct and some that are absolutely (laughs) wrong yeah and um, you you have to understand that that yeah no the the world the toronto is not being taken over by giant spiders that's not what's happening this has not the spiders are not real that's what people well i mean the first spider we see is a real spider but the spiders themselves the giant ones they're not actually there and people just need to realize that uh this is not a sci-fi film second of all um i believe that it is pretty pretty clear that anthony and adam are not two people they are one in the same yeah and i think that's proven a fair amount of times throughout this film um especially just like um, looking at the details, they all—they both have the exact same scar. They both have the exact same hairdo, uh, beard. They are never seen together in the same scene when there are other people uh, present. Like, there's just a lot of elements that tell you pretty straightforward that they are the same person. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I agree with your idea that this is about his. Um, this is about his subconscious. And uh, Denis Villeneuve. 
uh, did a... He he did an interview where he said they keep this movie under really tight wraps and they still don't really uh, talk about what they think uh, the film is about. Yeah. But his his explanation of the movie is he said this is a f- uh, a study on um, Jake Gyllenhaal's subconscious. That's what he said. So mm-hmm. I think that gives us a pretty clear idea that this that some of this film is taking place in his subconscious this a, a lot of the stuff we see on the screen isn't real uh this is the film's a great uh example of an unreliable narrator we're getting a lot of moments that feel like they're happening uh in real time but are either not happening at all or happened before or are just figments of this character's imagination mm-hmm. and we're never actually told this to be true or false and that's what confuses a lot of people i think um yeah but I think the main concept that I'm grasping through this entire plot line, um, and this is amplified through um, some lines of dialogue that Hall says at the start of the movie in his college lectures, um, is that this is a portrayal of a cycle of harmful, um, harmful sexual desire i guess um yeah the the wanting and willingness to be independent um and and that's portrayed uh by anthony right and he he clearly has a history of infidelity um and he's feeling scared he's feeling held back um at the thought of you know settling down and having a family because his wife is pregnant and he's clearly worried and he hasn't uh F- fulfilled his dream of being this actor so this is this is uh i believe that anthony and adam are both are both real but they're the same people yeah it's not, like it's not one, one is, is the real the imagination. version yeah i think is um yeah so yeah i agree so yeah i mean that i i believe and this i'll talk about this more um, when we get into the spiders, but I think that this film is portraying a cycle, a cycle of events that are going to continuously go on and on over and over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, where we see that, okay, so in the at the start of the movie, Hall says, and it's important to remember this, okay, right away we're told this isn't just a lecture, he's telling the audience, and it's important to remember this, that this is a pattern that repeats itself throughout history okay so now we're getting this idea that this is a pattern um and then he says in his second uh lecture he says it was uh hegel who said that all the great greatest world events happened twice and then karl marx added the first time it was a tragedy and the second time it was a farce so my concept is that at the end of this film, we realize that the events that have occurred are just going to happen again. Because at the end of the movie, we see that his mother calls him. And what happened at the start of the movie? His mother calls him. The very him. start of the movie, we hear a voicemail of his mother. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he gets the key to that strip club um, that he goes to at the very start of the film. So this is a cycle. This is a ongoing cycle and this battle inside this yeah. character's brain. And I think that's kind of what I got out of everything. I think that the final scene where he's getting ready and he gets the uh the key, I think that's the only time mm-hmm. we see the true 
character. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think that that's not Anthony or Adam. That's just uh, our main character, whatever his name may be. Um, yeah. And I think that in a way, the scenes leading up to this where Anthony and uh, Melanie Laurent's character uh, have a car crash is sort of his way of letting go. That's kind of like my mm-hmm. very loose looking at it from a more uh, philosophical standpoint than a literal one of, you know, them dying in a car crash. Yeah. It's kind of him, you know, coming yeah. to terms with his self-conscious, uh, his subconscious. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, his uh, then he sees his wife turns into a spider, uh, which I kind of think that the spiders represent women in a way like his I, view I think they represent of women his yeah his view on women yeah 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 um that scene well the first spider we see in the film is at the very beginning uh at the strip club that's about to be stepped on mm-hmm. and we see that this is representing uh lust i guess or um, fear of commitment <laughs> it could be a lot of things um, the second time we see a spider is we see a um, a naked woman walking down a hallway with a spider head yeah. instead of a human and that is a nightmare and <laughs> yeah and that is I think a clear uh, it, it's basically the director telling us as an audience that these two are connected, a woman and a spider. They're connected, right? And we see that literally. It's a spider and a woman yeah. mashed together. Um, and then the third time we see it is we see that huge, giant, giant spider <laughs> walking through Toronto. Yeah. Um, and that happens right after he visits his mother. Um, so that could very much be his relationship with his mother it could be his view on his mother um Mm -hmm. because you know that could be he has an a weird or entangled or bad relationship with his mom and therefore he views her as this horrific giant (laughs) spider yeah um and then the last time we see the spider is at the very end and i think what's really interesting about the last spider is that when he turns the corner and sees it 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 looks scared, right? It it goes back and it makes a little shriek noise. Yeah. As if it's scared of him. Mm-hmm. And then he just looks at it and sighs. He and doesn't look frightened. Ends. He's just kind of like... No. Yeah. And I think that's what tells us it's a cycle. Yeah. Because what he realizes there... Is that he's gonna... Is that sigh is him <laughs> realizing that he's just gonna go back to the way he was at the start. Yep. And it's just gonna be an endless cycle. Yeah. I think... And I, I, I think that's a pretty good analysis. Um, yeah. The other thing is that I think Helen, his wife, knows that he has this personality disorder split personality disorder right and i think that's what he does have he has a split personality disorder and i think she knows that Hmm. and i think that when she goes to visit him at the college campus she goes there because he actually is a college professor he is and she knows that Hmm. and she's 
playing along with his or his um his i guess psychosis or his uh personality disorder she's playing along with it trying to because she loves him she's trying to she's trying to help him right right and then i think that's also shown when he's with his mom and she dismisses um him having a doppelganger because if if someone were to tell you oh i met this person who looks exactly like me why would you react to it in such a hostile way it, that's kind of something you'd just be like oh really like it's not it's not something you'd be like angry about or you'd say no you know you get defensive about mm-hmm. and i feel like that's showing that the mother knows that he has something wrong with him and she's in denial or something like huh. that right i guess i didn't really get that out of it uh, but it's definitely possible you know if if jake gyllenhaal came out and said that this film was actually about spiders taking over like who knows maybe it is <laughs> to be honest like even if you know whatever you get from this i think Whatever, whatever this film gives to you, that's what you can take away, you know? I think that that's it's kind of meant to have a bunch of different interpretations that is what it could be, which I like. I like that you could yeah. interpret this many different ways. Love it. Uh, with that being said, I think our interpretation is correct, and if you think differently, you are <laughs> wrong. Um, you are wrong. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Okay, well... Uh... You want to take a quick break and then we'll hop into the actual review? Yeah, sure. Okay, and we are back. Yes. And um, before we hop into the actual review of Enemy, uh, we have a couple uh, questions from our Instagram that we have been asked um, yeah, these questions are not about the movie, but they are more uh, personal questions about us. Great. Um, the first question is uh, directed to you, oh. Uh, oh. Ben Taylor. Specific, nice. <laughs> Specifically, um, and they. I'm going to give you a little pedestal to uh, talk about this for okay. a bit. And I thought this was kind of funny. They asked. Um, what is Ben's problem with child actors? That was the question. <laughs> uh, what is my problem with child actors? Um, to be honest, I actually, you know, I'm not totally against the idea of having a child actor in your film. Um, but I just think there's so many films that I hate um, mostly because the lead actor is a child and I just think they're a terrible actor. Um, I think a perfect example is like Home Alone. I despise Home Alone. I, I, ref- I will never watch that <laughs> film uh, ever. I'm sorry if you love it. I know it's beloved, but I, I just, when I see um, Macaulay Culkin on screen, I, it just <laughs> makes me upset. Um, like, I don't know. I just think being a child actor is extremely difficult and honestly unethical. I I just think that adults are much better actors partially because they have more experience and yeah. also just because they're more believable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think kids haven't had enough time to develop their craft to really blossom yeah. and entertain me and sell me. Uh, I'm trying to think of exceptions 
Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Are there any child performances that do stand out to you? I think ones that stand out to me... Uh, maybe, I think that in voice acting, in animated films, child actors are a lot better, actually. You know, like kids' animated films. I'm, I'm not pissed at those. Uh, Spirited Away is one of my favorite films, period, of all time. Uh, and I think the child voice actors are good. Uh, I guess Moonrise Kingdom would be an example of when mm-hmm. I can still really love the film, even though the two leads are kids. Um, mostly because right. I think it's funny having the Wes Anderson very monotone delivery kind of dictating <laughs> the kids. Yeah. So they can't even have bad performances, really, when they're just monotone little kids. Yeah. Um, um, have you seen, have you seen the Florida project? No, but I've been meaning to actually, uh, maybe that's an example. Too. I think that is, uh, because th- that film is about a, a, I think she was like seven yeah. in the film and I gotta say she was really good. She was I like mean, very, A24 is just mid nineties. Yeah. Mid nineties. Uh, is I I actually I like give the child I, I give well, they're everybody not, they're more a pass except the um, lead actor in mid nineties. I think the actual professional <laughs> skateboarders they cast are really good. Um, the teenagers are really yeah. really good, and their relationship is just believable yeah. because it's written mm-hmm. just like actual yeah, people would talk. Awesome. Um, maybe yeah. that's also another struggle I have with kid actors is just writing dialogue for a kid when you're like a teenager or a child it's so much harder to relate Mm -hmm. to it because you know that's not how people actually talk when it's an adult you know you can suspend your disbelief because you don't know anything (laughs) but kid actors are like (laughs) yeah i know what's going on here like you could tell that scripted okay and then the other question we had um is well the first question was um are you planning on reviewing any um, any films you don't like? That was the first part of the question. The second part of the question was, what are our two least to favorite movies? Damn. My least favorite movie. Home Alone. Um, I... <laughs> and I will not... Refer- really? Home Alone oh, is no, your least to favorite movie? Kind of a joke. I do really hate it, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. My least favorite movie? Um, we... I, I guess the problem with our list is... Okay. When we came up with it, we were just kind of uh, thinking off our the top of our brains, trying to get a diverse ratio. And I guess we put some laughably yeah. bad films on there, like Birdemic or The Room. And The Room, yeah. And uh, there are some there are some mediocre films on there. I can I can tell yeah. you. Yeah. There are some films I looked through. It, there are some films that I know that I I don't mind, but they're. They're just kind of fine for me. Um, but, uh, guys, if you want us to uh, talk about films that are bad, then request some bad films and they will get put on the wheel. That, that is true, so, actually. Um, if we, we're not only it, taking it, yeah. your favorites. You know, If you want to see us react to some hot garbage and review it, we will definitely do that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. for my least favorite film of all time, uh, I might have to go with the Star Wars reboot. <laughs> just because which one like any of them just the the idea of even having of a star wars reboot is sickening <laughs> to me 
that Disney just <laughs> bought it and turned it into a money making machine. Uh, so yeah, on principle, I guess that's my just because Star Wars is such a big part of my childhood, and then Disney just decided to yeah give us some some box yeah. office hits. Like there was no need. Only thing good was Adam Driver. Yeah, <laughs> that's true actually. Um, yeah. My least favorite film is uh, okay. It's two. There's two films that I despise with a passion. The first one is Aragon. Have you seen Aragon? No, I have not. <laughs> okay, uh, I I love the book Aragon. The- they made a movie. It is it is a steaming pile Aragon. of trash. It is a awful movie. Um, it's it's like about a dragon, and there there's like it's kind of like this <laughs> oh weird my dragon take on. Oh Lord of the my god, the poster. It just. <laughs> <laughs> wow jeremy Irons. and the problem is is it actually it actually has decent actors in it it's just so with a bad. 100 million so dollar budget jeez yeah. and the cgi is awful wow it's like that that right there is proof that you can have all the money you want but if you don't have talented cgi artists and you as a director do not know how to capture uh good footage for cgi your film is still not going to look good no matter how That's much money just you ridiculous. throw at it. i didn't even know they um, made a film for that book series i think i read those books <laughs> as a kid what, what's your other least favorite and then uh, my other one is nomeo and juliet what uh, I, I, I hate that movie so much yeah okay it's it's <laughs> terrible i've only seen it once when i was actually um, like six so i don't remember it too well I remember my parents, I really wanted to watch Percy Jackson, which is another movie I don't like. Um, but my parents decided we were going to watch Nomeo and Juliet instead. And to this day, I just uh, am so angry. So basically, we just hate kids' movies. Is the uh, To yeah. answer both questions. Well, the- no, there's some, there's some fantastic kid, kids' I think movies. Hugo's a great example um, of child actors. That, I did, that Hugo, just popped into yeah. my mind as well. Uh yeah, Hugo, Toy Story, um, Up. Like, any Pixar film yeah, <laughs> is pretty make good. Make me cry. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you for the questions. Yeah, uh, keep sending them in if you want us to talk about this. It's kind of fun. Um, but, yeah, let's hop into the actual review of Enemy. Yeah, back on track. Confusing, surrealist film. Uh, we're starting off with story and originality. Um I I think it's pretty obvious that this film is just original to the core. Uh, It is an adapted screenplay, but still. So loose. So loose. And it's adapted from this Portuguese novel called The Double. Mm -hmm. And it's like loose. Loose. The only thing I can relate between the two is the wedding ring thing where one of the women notices that the ring isn't the same, that's a direct pull from the book. Uh, That's like the climax of the book, I guess, just from a quick summary on Wikipedia. But yeah, I mean, when when your source material is like an unheard of Portuguese novel, I think it's pretty easy to make it your own and stay original. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, I mean... I think to understand some of the themes in this film, it it might just be a little too abstract for me. Uh, 
like, yes, I still got everything, but I, I don't know. I'm, I guess this is one of the most abstract films I've ever seen, just in the fact that there really is no answers anywhere. Uh, but, but what's really bringing this up for me is the originality. Like, this thing is super yeah. creative and just a one-of-a-kind viewing experience. So I think overall in this category, it's actually quite strong. Um, and the story is uh, pretty interesting, although it might be a little basic yeah. um, in terms of the real themes happening, which is, you know, just a mm-hmm. guy struggling with his subconscious. That's not the right. super intricate sure. plot. But the way that it goes about telling yeah. the story is definitely unique, which is also the screenplay. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. This is such an original film. I think that the story is good. I think that it's entertaining. I think that's captivating. I think that's strong. I don't think it's perfect, but um, I think there's a lot of elements that do push this up for me. And because it's so original, it actually got a really high grade for me. Um, Yeah, I think this is the most original film we have reviewed so far. Uh Um, And I think that it it is a pretty good, uh, pretty good story. And because of how um, much there is to analyze about the story. Yes, I agree that it is pretty basic on the forefront. But when you really yeah. get deep into it, there's so much to discuss, and that's what raises it up for me. Um, yeah, I gave Story and Originality a 9 out of 10. I gave it an 8% out of 10. Maybe it'll bump up one when I watch it a second time, but that's where I'm at right now. It's still super strong, just pretty overwhelming first viewing, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's hop into the beginning, which is out of five. I think that the opening ten minutes are pretty slow, actually, for a 90-minute film. This thing starts off uh, pretty slowly. Um, I don't know exactly how long it is until the movie is recommended to him, but there's a good portion of this film that is just kind of setting up Adam's life that I think is... Mm -hmm. Uh, not unnecessary, but just not as exciting and uh, entertaining as the rest of the film. Um, however, I will say the actual opening scene in the uh, the strip club is really, really well shot. Um, and honestly, just really yeah. like nasty and unsettling just watching all these... Oh, it's it, it's so insane. Yeah, I, it just makes me feel uncomfortable watching it. Um, oh yeah, I mean it's like the spider's getting stepped on. It's like some weird squish. Finish. Yeah, like, I, it's, it's weird, weird. and, and it's, it definitely sets the tone um, for the rest of the film. Uh, and yeah, I think that yes, I think the pacing is off, but technically, I think the beginning is really strong. Um, and I love the opening mm-hmm. shot of the skyline with the voicemail. Uh, oh, I, I yeah. love that this film yeah. manages to use this really yellow color grade and almost make this look mm-hmm. like an apocalyptic film, even though it is not at all. It's yeah. just a modern film, you know. 
but uh, it almost yeah. looks like Children of Men in that first shot, uh, with very green and foggy. Yeah. Um, even though nothing yeah. is actually going wrong, it just makes this really murky feel for the whole thing. Uh, so yeah, oh, yeah, I think the beginning yeah. is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I really like this beginning. I do agree that it is a little slow, uh, but that being said, when I do look at beginning and ending, I look at more just the first and last scene. So um, I, I think the beginning is pretty strong, and I, I really like how this film um, hides exposition. It doesn't tell you things flat out and make you feel like you're being catered to. It hides the exposition in a very uh, smart way. I mean, first we have it through a voicemail of the mother, which is connected to the ending of the film. And then you also have the college lectures, which if you really dig deep into what he's saying, there's a lot of exposition there, but it's hidden so well. Um, But I do, I think that that first opening scene sets up this film so well. It sets up our, um, our symbol or motif of the spider Mm -hmm. and it just gets us in the zone. It's like, okay, we know where we're at. We know what's going to, how this film is going to, where it's going to take us. We know that it's going to be this dark, unsettling, gross, um, like tingly feeling, yeah. <laughs> uh, tension building film. Um, and that's, that's told through uh, not only the scenery, but also the, um, the color grade and uh, all the aspects of lighting and, just the overall um performances i think that the beginning is pretty strong i don't think it's um incredible but i think it's pretty strong yeah i gave it a four out of five uh i also gave it a four out of five um yeah pretty strong um yeah let's move on to the ending which is also at a five percent uh in his other film arrival which is also kind of a a surreal uh chronologically at least mm-hmm. film it ends and i just watched arrival for the first time the other day oh yeah it was awesome. it's really good um but in a way that mm. ending while yes it is bold um and it is really creative it's kind of this twist ending that mm. makes sense even on your first viewing this film's the exact opposite uh it, it, it just sends you even further away from thinking you knew it was happening it's like one last yeah. confusing twist to cap it all off but i i I love that kind of stuff um i just think it makes it stand out so much more from anything else i've ever seen um and really the only thing i just love that hard cut to credits yeah it's just in your it's like boom we just did that (laughs) uh and maybe i wasn't (laughs) looking into it enough or maybe i'm just stupid but you know, I have my thoughts, but I still don't really know what the hell happened. So, you know, it is cool, but at the end of the day, I am a little confused still. So, uh, I I like that, but at the same time, it's kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you feel like, <laughs> damn. Yeah. What what yeah, what sure. happened? Yeah. I. L- <laughs> yeah, that's true. I I love good ambiguous confusing endings um and enemy is one of my it's in it's it's on the top of those lists of my favorite endings um technically speaking it's nothing incredible but looking at it purely entertainment and how much i enjoy the ending i think that this ending is pretty 
uh, right up my alley. It's pretty spectacular in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I I just I just really like it. I like how bold it is. I like how ambiguous it is. I like that it doesn't tell us um, everything, but we're left to kind of assume stuff. It's like will. Um, Adam or Anthony or whoever Jake Joan Hall is, will he um, continue this cycle or ha- has he seen the spider and is it a wake up call? Is he gonna then um, stop? Not go to the strip club? Is he gonna stop the cycle? It's not. It doesn't tell us the answers, but if you catch on to kind of the overall concept of this film, then I find this ending just kind of so brilliant. And yeah, the first time it absolutely terrified me. I had no clue what was happening. And that I just, I didn't even think. I was just like, what the <laughs> heck just happened? But the second time watching it, um, the second time watching it, I I loved it. And I saw so much more. Right. Um, so much more. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to give the ending a 505. Um, it's not a high 505 and I get that it's not, you know, technically super impressive, but I don't really care. Uh, to me, it's a 505. Yeah. I'm giving it a four out of five and I think it's a high four. Um, maybe on, yeah, once again, on second viewing, this could easily raise, but yeah, right now for me, it's a 4%. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's move on to screenplay and dialogue. Uh, I think that the pacing in this film as well as the dialogue are really nice and i love the little nuances Mm -hmm. in autumn and adam's character that's written in uh like progressively in each lecture he gets more and more shaken up by the whole ordeal and just in Mm -hmm. general the way he speaks is he's very soft-spoken but he almost just has this i don't know crazy unpredictable element to him um that makes him really creepy in a way to watch as the main character. It's just great. It's it's creative, and I love the way that the script flawlessly transitions between their two narratives. Yeah, it's it's really smooth. And yeah, I uh, yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think the screenplay and dialogue is really great in this film. Um, I didn't actually have a lot of flaws. There is one flaw um, that I'll talk about a bit later, but I, I, I think that it's pretty strong, and I love all the hidden symbols and motifs and uh, using songs and posters and background imagery to really nail in all these different points um, that we are discussing in the analysis. Yeah. I think that overall the dialogue is really strong, um, and I think that's... Also because the three performances in this film are also very strong. Um, this film is pretty much derived of three uh, performances. I mean, there's some little side characters, but for the most part, it's just these three characters, uh, these three actors. Um, so yeah, I, I overall, I think the screenplay is pretty strong. Uh, my one problem with it is, in my opinion, I don't really like the scene with his mom. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of, it, I don't know, it, it feels like it's kind of dumbing itself down, you know, it because for me that scene is blatantly telling us that um, Jake Gyllenhaal is one person, and that that's seen through all these different things his mother says to yeah. him, um, and in my opinion, it, the movie didn't need that. We could have cut that scene and I would have still understood what was going on and in my opinion that 
that was the only aspect to this film that I felt was unnecessary and um, kind of assuming the audience was well. He assumed correctly because it helped me out massively because I had no idea what was happening. So you know, maybe for our our genius over here, Lucas, he thought it was dumbing it down. But uh, I'll give the uh, the dumb person's perspective. Uh, I like that. It it just kind of reinforced what I was already assuming. And I think it's, you know, she gives him blueberries and he says he doesn't like blueberries. It just adds another level onto the confusion. I, I, I kind of see what you're, where you're coming yeah. from, but at least yeah. on my first time, I didn't really think it was unnecessary. Okay. Well, yeah, I gave screenplay and dialogue a 7 out of 8. I thought it was very Same strong. here, 7 out of 8. Uh, not often do you see two narratives as smoothly intertwined as here. Uh, really, really strong yeah. overall. Um, let's move on to soundtrack now, which is at a seven percent. Uh, dude, I love the soundtrack. Yeah, I really love Denny Villeneuve, Villeneuve soundtracks. Uh, the score is very similar to Arrival. Um, in this really bassy, you know, barren, uh, one note kind of things. You know, you have a lot of very rumbly, low notes that just kind of play ominously during scenes. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is really, really uh, awesome because it's it's not a very distracting the soundtrack, I guess. It's, you know, it's, it's not stealing the show. It's just kind of giving you this constant, unsettling unease while you're watching. Uh you know, some yeah. of the other soundtracks yeah. we've had are, you know, in your face and epic, but not this. This mm-hmm. is very subtle, um, but it evokes a lot of emotion, and I really love uh, yeah. it. Yeah, I think that it is, like, adds so much to this movie. Yeah. Um, and the music is used basically throughout this film. It might not be loud or in your face, but there is constant music throughout this film Mm -hmm. um and it adds so much to the intensity and just the how disturbing uh and gross this film feels to watch yeah and i think this is a big aspect of we were talking about before uh how this film feels so unsettling but you don't really know why and i think the score is a huge aspect to that yeah also the color grade but there is just this aspect of you, you're just always kind of like you have that weird feeling in your stomach of like something bad's going to happen. It feels wrong to be watching this film. It feels like you're watching something that you shouldn't be watching. Yeah. And you kind of have this just like gross feeling. Um, and I think that's a huge aspect of the soundtrack. Uh, um, it's very repetitive. Um, uh, yeah. Very, you know, you'll have three minutes of just the same you know, little section repeating, which mm-hmm. just kind of makes this almost like insane feeling to everything. It really adds to the characters, yeah. uh, just like, and this, mm-hmm. especially in Adam's part, you know, he's got this very dimly lit apartment, which just kind of adds to the creepy aesthetic and Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is just chilling. And when you got this, you know, creepy soundtrack paired with it, it's something I'm glad I watched during yeah. the day and not at 2 a.m. Um, <laughs> yeah, I watched it to him. <laughs> nice. Um, I don't think the soundtrack is 
good enough to be a seven. I didn't listen to it on its own. There you go. But I I think it's very strong and it works really well with this film. I'm giving it a strong six. I give it a six out of seven. I'm giving it a strong six. Yeah. Yeah. Six out of seven. Yeah. Uh, very solid and it's really similar to Arrival's soundtrack I think Arrival's soundtrack is just all the good elements of this but then epic um, I love Arrival's soundtrack yeah. a lot and there's some like really beautiful stuff in mm-hmm. Arrival yeah yeah let's move on to um, production design production design costumes which is six costumes and set uh, design it's, yeah. it's fairly basic here uh, not that it needed to be anything yeah. more uh no, nope. but you know, just in general, uh, there's not a lot of locations indoors, especially in this film. You know, it's it's mainly set at two apartments and a university. And while yeah. I love what they did with the lighting in these sets, the sets themselves are nothing special, uh, and the costumes mm-hmm. I thought too yeah. were good, um, but once again. Nothing really too special about the costumes. And overall, you can Mm -hmm. just tell that this was not their focus, and it definitely didn't need to be. They can create everything else. Uh, They can use everything else, like great cinematography, to tell this story. But at the end of the day, it's not going to give you any points here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the only thing, like, yeah, there's no, there really isn't any production design in this film. Um, costumes are fine. Um, I thought the set decoration was actually pretty good. The contrast between, um, Adam and Anthony's apartment Mm -hmm. and seeing how, um, uh, alone and, um, just, just, uh, vacant Adam's apartment was. Right. And I, I, I thought that worked. Um, I thought the costumes worked with the color grade uh, pretty decently. But yeah, overall, nothing that spectacular. But also nothing um, wrong with I it. I gave it a three. Three out of six. Yeah, I also gave it a three. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. It's just kind of that, you know, mm-hmm. 50% kind of very average, not doing anything special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and location, location selection. selection is a bit out of 6%. a bit more of the same. But I, I actually really like the location selection. While, once again, not many locations, the locations that they did use, um, you could tell were chosen purposefully um, to do with lighting. Uh, because a lot of this film is very yeah. backlit and silhouette-y. Uh, and I think you know a good example is the hotel room. I think it's probably the best hotel room they could have found for this. With like the... Uh, not blackout curtains, you know, curtains that let a little bit of, a little bit of light in, and uh, right. just the whole feel of the room. Really, it's a it's a good location. But yeah, there's there's really not many locations, uh, in this thing, but I think since they weren't uh, there weren't that many locations, they were able to put more choice into it, and uh, it it felt like they were you know purposely. Uh, meticulously selected so i did appreciate that yeah i think that the locations are pretty good like that uh scene where he's walking down and there's that graffiti art of like the roman dictatorship salute um Mm. you know it's black and red with the people saluting i thought that was really cool and it's connected to his um obviously his lecture at his um uh college course um 
overall, it, it's pretty basic, the location selections, um, especially the outdoor stuff. There's a lot of uh, streets and roads that are just kind of there. I thought that the parking lot that they filmed where he, he calls... Um, he calls Helen on the payphone. I thought that was a pretty cool location because it was just this like vacant parking lot with a singular payphone in the center. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. And it felt very kind of dreamlike and mm-hmm. just off-putting. Um, but yeah, overall, once again, I thought it was pretty average. I'm giving Nothing it a, spectacular. A 3%. And I feel like this <laughs> film could have been... Yeah, I gave it a 3, 2. I feel like it could have actually... This film could have worked with some better location selection, especially the exterior stuff. Yeah, okay. It could have added I thought the interior stuff was strong, yeah. but yeah, I kind of agree that the exterior stuff was pretty basic. Although I love me some nice green leaf bokeh, like during the scene where Helen confronts Adam. Uh, very sexy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so before we get into the back half of our review, let's just take a quick break. And then, yeah, we'll come back with cinematography. Okay, and we are back. Hitting into cinematography. Out of ten. I loved it. Um, I think specifically, I love the lighting oh, in yeah. this film. The lighting I think is it's phenomenal. so, so impressive. Uh, it's, it's very dark, um, but not in like a unprofessional way. Um, Mm -hmm. you can tell they spent so long getting these dimly lit shots to have these perfect, very, uh, stylized, uh, light on characters' faces. Um, I think it's especially apparent in Adam's section because his apartment is just so dark all the time. Yeah. Uh, it really just creates this creepy aesthetic um, in his apartment. And I'm going to talk about the color grade a bit more in editing, I guess, but the color grade is just... Uh, It also, you know, we're back to that creamy widescreen that we've been missing for a while. Sure. And I just think overall, the framing is very captivating and creative. Mm -hmm. And... uh, yeah, I I just think overall, not only is it solid, but it's, you know, a bit new and refreshing. Uh, I think yeah. specifically one of my favorite shots is when the spider lady combo is walking towards the camera upside down. And at first you think the camera is upside down and then it pans to reveal Jake Gyllenhaal standing uh, right side up. Roof. Yeah. Yeah, which is just, like, mind-boggling, like, what the hell? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it is a dream, but still. It's just a yeah. cool shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I also love the way they do driving shots in this thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, they, the, every single driving shot, his eyes are framed in the rear view. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do use mirrors, actually, quite a bit in this film. Yeah. Characters walking into rooms... And yeah. uh, it's shot in the mirror. Yeah. Uh, overall, I just really love the cinematography. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think it's some pretty good cinematography. I really love the lighting, too. I, especially their use of shadows. Like, 
if you look at whenever Jake Gyllenhaal's in frame, they they like to kind of cover up half of his face with shadow, which yeah. could be a metaphor, I guess, for like only half of him being there, you know? Because it's like there's two sides yeah. to him, yeah, which is pretty perhaps. Uh, maybe I'm just reaching there, but that could be that could possibly. Um, That's cool. I accept that. I they also use some really great practical lighting here, especially in his apartment with the lamps and the um, mm-hmm. overall just like yeah. This film just looks really um, clean. It does not look clean. Let me rephrase that. It looks technically clean. <laughs> um, it yeah, looks technically clean. It looks gross and Physically disgusting, but technically dirty. it looks clean. Yeah. Um, I also really like the camera movement. This film, uh, the camera's kind of always moving. It's steady. Yeah, it's steady, but it's always moving. Like, uh, there's this one shot where he's just walking around a corner and goes into the movie shop, and the camera does this, yeah, like... I, yeah, It does this weird thing, and it does it a few times throughout the film, where it, it's... It's like a moving panning. pan. Yeah, it's panning, but at the same time, it's moving backwards. And it's kind of like the vertigo effect which for people who don't vertigo. know the vertigo effect is when you um physically move a camera towards or away from something while using the lens to zoom in or out so at the same time and it creates this really weird effect where it looks like a person is getting closer but the background isn't moving or the opposite the background is moving but the person isn't yeah. and they kind of do a reverse vertigo effect a lot of times in this film where instead of zooming they're panning mm-hmm. and while they're panning they're physically moving the camera the stuff the subjects yeah and the subjects uh, yeah. get farther away uh and yeah, it's I just that creepy was super and cool. Yeah, it's super unsettling. Like every aspect of the cinematography in the in this film, cinematography in this film, add to how unsettling it feels. Um, yeah. Personally, I have to though, say though, my favorite freeze frame yeah. is right at the start, right before the the cut from the first scene with his head in his hands. Yeah. In just. And weird you can way, just see his eyes. You can only see one eye. Yeah. Oh. It's good. so scary. <laughs> Personally, though, I think this film would have been better with a 16 to 9 aspect ratio. For those of you who don't know what that means, it means that it is covering the entire screen, so it doesn't have the black bars um, uh, horizontally. I disagree, bro. I I don't think that widescreen does anything for this film. I feel like it was just a way to make it look more professional, and I feel like if they had done it with 16 to 9, not only would we have got more skyline, but I feel like it would have made this film feel a lot more raw and dirty. And I feel like it would have added uh, to the tone. I agree with this you. Film. But I kind of think that the 235 to 1 widescreen is similar to the way I'm thinking ending things uses 4-3, which just kind of makes everything feel tight and close and claustrophobic, Mm -hmm. uh, while also looking hella nice. But I feel like this film could have been 4-3 too. I feel like it works better in that claustrophobic way. I I feel like the widescreen is kind of condescending because this entire film feels claustrophobic and yet you're showing it in this widescreen. Fair enough. Uh, I'm still giving this 
a mid to low 9%. Um, I really liked it. I thought it looked super stylized and cool. Uh, I don't care what Lucas says about his <laughs> stupid... <laughs> why I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really liked it. 9%. Yeah. Uh, I give it a 7 out of 10. Um, I think it's really strong. I do. Mm. Um, I just... I don't know. I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't... It didn't, you know, grasp me as some of the other films have. I still think it's really strong, though, and the lighting yeah. really boosts it up. 7 out of 10. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on to editing, which is at eight percent. Um, yeah, I think overall it's a, it's solid. Uh, solid editing. The VFX spiders are actually really good, especially for how low <laughs> of a budget this film had. Yeah, this is, you know, Aragon. Take notes. How to do <laughs> some nice VFX. Um, and yeah, as mentioned before, the color grade is excellent and the cuts are really solid. I, I felt like the pacing in scenes was spot on throughout this whole thing. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's kind of, uh, a bit quick in terms of pacing, right? Uh, which also has to do with the runtime, uh, but yeah, I just thought true. it made things more intense and yep. tense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to say that on surface level, watching this film, the editing doesn't look that um, crazy. But I think that this is the strongest edited film we've done so far. And I'm going to back that up by saying mm. that this film is edited impeccably, in my opinion, because how it edits and parallel edits um, sequences together throughout this film adds to not how unsettling this film is, but adds to the confusion. A prime example is when yeah, we that's, are that's watching really um, Helen and Anthony in the car before they crash and uh, contrasted with Adam and um, Helen. Oh no, it's Anthony and Mary in the car. And then it's Adam and Helen yeah. um, in bed together. And the and how this film is edited and how it edits edits it together after certain lines of dialogue or after certain reactions is perfect. And it and this film edits certain scenes together that it feels like it's cohesive, and yet if you read into it, it actually isn't. And that is so Damn. brilliant. The other thing I love about how this film is edited is I love their um, this happens three times throughout the film where they do three consecutive cuts to black. It's not a cut to black in like a transition to a scene, but what they do is they have a single wide shot cut to black with a drum beat, single wide shot cut to black with a drum beat, single wide shot yeah. cut to black with a drum beat. And they do this three times throughout the film. And I think that symbolizes, uh, either loss of memory or loss of time. I think that symbolizes because he's these two different people when that cut to black happens it's like his mind blacking out when either he's adam or anthony and he's missing certain portions of his life and i thought that's such a brilliant editing choice because that is an editing choice of um showing this i mean maybe i'm just not getting this whole split personality thing but uh i don't i guess yeah (laughs) that's definitely a way of looking at it um 
Yeah. I mean, another thing with the editing too is the way that it edits uh, the scenes with Adam at the start is uh, it just really shows you this repetitive yeah. lifestyle he yeah. has. Yeah. And really just how driven to pretty much insanity he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love how desperate in a way he feels uh, when he figures out he has a doppelganger. I just, the, the scenes are very enticing and the pacing is quick. Yeah. Um, and it just keeps you entertained yeah. and keeps you glued to your seat. And that uh, the 90 minute runtime is just mm-hmm. fantastic for this film. You know, if this film was too much longer, it, it just had no got need to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they, they kept it short. Yeah. I, I liked that this film quick. is kind of shot like a realist film. Um, for those of you who don't know, realist filmmaking is when you film something as it is. So, um, prime examples are a more, or, um, what's a good example of a realist film? Marriage story is a good example of a realist film. Yeah. It's marriage you, story. It's when you shoot something in a very like documentary kind of style where it's showing things just as it is. Children of men almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, shot... aside from the sci-fi-ness, but the... Mm-hmm. This film is shot in that way, and in, in what I'm saying is how they shoot it, like technical aspects, lots of wide shots, lots of medium shots, um, and it just feels very much like you're just watching this character, but it's edited in a formalist way. Quick cuts, um, random obscure quotes coming up, black screens, and the contrast between cinematography being very realist perspective and editing being a very formalist uh, way of editing a film the contrast is so cool and surreal and Mm. uh, yeah I I love how this film is edited and I think it is a standout uh, accomplishment in in editing and I I gave it an 8 out of 8 there you go uh, I gave it a 6% out of 8. I'll give it a... I'll say high 6%. Um, yeah, I guess my surface level first watch just wasn't looking deep enough. But yeah, on the, like you said, on the surface, I just... You know, the pacing is really strong. Color grade strong. And overall, the cuts are nice. But uh, maybe if I watch it again and I kind of, you know, pick up on these things you're talking about, I, it could be higher. But for me right now, it's six percent. Um, okay, let's move. Yeah, on let's to move acting. on to acting. Ten percent. Now this is tough because there's basically only three actors in the entire film, uh, yeah. and I'm just gonna start off by giving you my Jake Gyllenhaal bias. Uh, I love Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> and he's been in so many films that are character studies of him, uh, and this is back to back with nightcrawler which i think is his best film um yeah i just think his performance is just so strong uh you know nightcrawler and his characters in nightcrawler and enemy are kind of equally creepy and obsessive and just i don't know just just the way he looks and the way he acts it, it it's really unsettling and you know he totally I can't picture any other actor in this role giving a better performance than him. Um, yeah, he literally he gives two performances that feel so separate from each other 
personality wise. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, and uh, I'm also a Melanie Laurent fan um, from Inglorious Bastards, too. And she did what she needed to do, but to me, Jake just steals the show. Oh yeah, well this uh, film is gives about a very Jake. solid performance. Yeah, 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 obviously, but yeah, I, I just kind of think all the other performances pale in comparison, which you know is to be expected because he's the main characters. Uh, but I I just think contrasting their performances with his, mm-hmm. Melanie Laurent's performance could be better. Um, yeah, and also with acting, since there are so few performances, it's not given off that, you know, ensemble vibe that, mm-hmm. say, Inglorious Bastards is. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think the acting is quite strong. Yeah, I think that this film actually, uh, for me personally, I think that it gets higher marks because it has less actors, because therefore you only yeah. are really focusing on three actors and because they all give pretty good performances then all of a sudden the whole rating goes up because you have nothing pulling it down true um i think true. sarah sarah gadden who plays helen i think she actually gave a really strong performance um when she yeah, meets me him too. at the university I just think melanie yeah and when she um also talks to him where she's like oh i met I met him at the college and she's like crying and he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I think, you know, um, I, she, I, I really, I really liked her performance and yeah, I think Melanie Laurent is pretty good. Um, actually she's strong. She doesn't have a lot to do, but that's not her fault. That's just her character doesn't have a lot to do, but for what she needs to do, she gives a good performance. Um, and obviously Jake. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic. You already touched on that. I don't really have to get into that. Um, I think that the acting is extremely strong in this movie. Yeah, there's a couple side yeah, characters, like the person who recommends him the film, that aren't great, but they're they're in it for I like. I thought what? he was pretty good, actually. <laughs> I, I actually I actually like that guy. Yeah. It's just that scene is so awkward and once again so creepy. Yeah, that's true. Like the guy's just trying to make some small talk, and Jake's like, "What? <laughs> you think I watch movies?" Like, <laughs> It's like, whoa, yeah. this guy is just, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought overall the acting is really, really strong. Uh, I gave it a 9% Me too. out of 10. Give it a 9 out of 10. Beautiful. Lucas and I, you know, sometimes we're just on the same wavelength. This and Children of Men, we've just been very similar to each other. It's true. Uh, yeah, let's get into our last two categories, some big ones. Entertainment value first which is at a 10%. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn, this thing is entertaining. Uh, it's it's a shorter film, like we've been saying, which works very well in its favor. And even though it's very surreal, and sometimes you just don't know what's happening at all, it's it's in a good way. It's, you know, it's confusing in a way that makes you want to keep watching to figure out what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I think that what makes this film so entertaining is that there's so much to analyze, which some people might hate, but I, I really like that. I love that. I love, I love doing that. Um, you do have to be in the mood to watch this film. Definitely. This isn't a film you just want to put on. That's true. Um, you got to really like, and it's also not for everybody. Yeah. I feel like I wouldn't watch this pretty much with anyone except you, Lucas. <laughs> this is like probably the most film nerd 
obscure film we've done so far. This yeah. and like yeah, uh, Children of Men, like I, I don't know. I I wouldn't watch this with my family. This is just kind of <laughs> a very obscure film that yeah. You know, if if you uh, if you drop it as one of your favorites of all time, you'll probably get called pretentious, um, <laughs> and it's probably true, and it's probably true. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, not for everybody. Um, yeah. I Yeah, I do find this film entertaining. I feel on second watch, yes, it's fun to analyze, but there are definitely some slower moments in this film. Um, right. But overall, uh, because of how much there is to analyze and because of how captivating the performances are, this film um, is entertaining. Yeah, there's some slow moments, like especially like there's scenes where he's just kind of laying in bed or he's just getting changed and it feels kind of dragged out. Um, and the only reason I docked some points here is because usually that wouldn't matter to me, but because this is only a 90 minute film, uh, it doesn't have the right to be slow. In my opinion, if you're going to make a 90 minute film, it's got to <laughs> keep the pace up like constantly. Um, but yeah, True. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Huh. I gave it a 9% just because of how uh, cool I thought it was. Honestly, that's the word I'd use to describe it. I just, you know, Fair enough. Yeah. starting this podcast, I've been seeing some pretty unique and thought-provoking stuff recently uh, that I haven't seen. So yeah, first watch, super entertained and excited to rewatch. I'm giving it a 9%. Nice. Okay, last uh, one, overall technical achievement. Uh, for me personally, uh, I think that technically speaking, this one was pretty strong. I don't think it's incredible, but it's, I do think yeah. that the editing boosts it up. I think the score is awesome. I thought the cinematography was pretty good. Um, I, I already kind of dived into all the technical aspects. The only thing I'm going to talk about here is the sound. I think that the sound is really good in this movie. Um, I kind of talked about the yeah, white the noise usage. Yeah, the strong. But the sound is so surreal, too, and I love how they use the Foley work, like um, footsteps and everything, and they kind of echo them uh, to make this film mm -hmm. feel like you're in a dream, feel like you're not in a, a like, uh, real world surrounding. Um, but I'm, I don't want to dive too much into this because I'll be really repetitive because I've already kind of talked about all the technical aspects. But yeah, um, looking at my scores... Yeah. Uh, I gave it a 12 out of 15 for overall technical achievement. Yeah, and seeing that, we pretty much agreed, but I thought the cinematography was very, very strong. Uh, I gave it a 13%. It's a bit of a low 13. Right. Um, but overall, I thought it was very solid technically. Not a lot of flaws. Uh, really no major flaws at all. Mm -hmm. And I just really loved it. The cinematography and yeah i yeah. thought overall pretty good awesome so 13 percent uh let's take a quick break and then we'll calculate our total percentage and spin the film wheel for next week nice okay all right and we're back uh here to give our final percentages for the film enemy um yeah, uh, I, I guess I'll go first. Sure. Now, I guess my percentage is a little lower than I would have liked to give. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just feel like, you know, when there's categories like production design and location selection, the indie films kind of suffer. And just in general, 
I think that, yes, it's bold, and uh, the story is great, but at the end of the day, it is pretty confusing, which is nice, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's it, it it's just a little, uh, it's a little more challenging than the other films on this list. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that being said, my total percentage was 81, Ooh, 81%. I see. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um yeah uh we're very close um i yeah i thought that this is a great film and i agree that i feel like mine is a little low um lower than i would like it to be i do think that this film is fantastic but yeah my total percentage was an 80 percent so only one below you 80.5 for the average percent which leaves it in uh sixth or no it's last place uh in seventh place yeah and by no means is this a bad film at all no there will definitely uh, be films that will i would highly lower re- than this i would highly recommend everyone go watch it but looking at the other films on this list uh i kind of agree with it i think yeah. i like this more than the place beyond the pines um and maybe more than atonement honestly mm-hmm. but you know, I, I don't think it really compares to a Children of Men or even a Parasite, yeah. per se. So, yeah, that's uh, that was Enemy. And, uh, yeah, we're going to spin the wheel now and see what we'll be reviewing next week. Amazing. Uh, let me pull out mm-hmm. QuickTime Player. Dude, so... we should get sponsored by QuickTime Player. <laughs> <laughs> sponsored by Mac. <laughs> um, yeah. And I guess while he's setting this up, I'll just say, uh, if you do have questions for us, that was a fun little segment, so feel free yeah, to like ask that. away. Our Instagram DMs are open. Mm-hmm. Um, happy to answer any and all questions, uh, whether you have specific ones or just general ones or just suggestions for structure or how we can make these better. Mm-hmm. It's all welcome. Yeah. yeah, and about the wheel, uh, we got a uh, hundred movies. I just added a section on our Instagram uh, page called uh, s underscore q underscore f underscore s, um, and I have highlights of different stories. So I have a grading highlight where you can see um, where all the films place and their percentages, and I also have a, a hundred movie list. So if you ever want to see what the a hundred movies on the wheel are go there i'll update it every week whenever a new movie gets added and you can just uh see what movies are on the wheel and if you have any you want to see like uh once again if you want us to watch some bad movies and talk about some just not good movies send us those requests and they will get put on the wheel um but without further ado let's uh press screen record turn up my volume and let's see what we're doing next week and we are spinning in three two one. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, we've landed on a movie called Sing Street. Have you seen Sing Street? Sing Street. I have not. I don't think I've heard of it. Um, it's a very yeah, sweet no. film. It's a very sweet film. 
Oh, oh yeah, I've seen this on your your desktop background. Um, yeah, okay, I'll I'll pull up the uh, the um, plot synopsis real quick. It okay. is with the recession hitting people hard in Dublin during the eighties. Connor is moved from his private school to a tough inner city alternative, and as he tries to adjust to a new way of life, he decides to start his own band. Aw, that's <laughs> sweet. Uh, released in 2016, directed by John Carney, starring uh, Ferdia walsh Pilo and Lucy Boynton. Uh... I guess these are Irish actors and Irish director. I have never heard of this film. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to check it out, though. Um, I am uh, pretty sure that Sing Street is on Netflix, so that's sweet. Uh, people, go watch it. Um, I can tell you that this is a feel-good movie uh, for sure. This is a uh, nice. movie... I've heard nice. a lot of people say it's kind of their favorite, uh, just, like, comfy movie to watch. Um, so it's a fun one. So go watch it, and um, and it's rated PG thirteen, so you can show it to your kids. Yeah. Too. And uh, it'll be nice to kind of lift us out of this depressing slump we've been in. Recently. Is this our first uh, fact, movie that isn't R? I would argue that we literally haven't had a truly happy film yet. I think that's no, true. We literally we we haven't. haven't. <laughs> we haven't. Except maybe Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. You could consider that. Oh yeah, I guess a you feel could. good yeah. film. Maybe if you're twisted. Um, but every other film has been actually pretty sad. This will be our first <laughs> film that is not R. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, so make sure you watch Sing Street in preparation for next week's episode. Uh, this was Enemy. Um, yeah, go check it out. And we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Slightly Qualified Film Students. Make sure to tune in next week for a new film discussion and review. Our theme song is Slightly Sexy by Thompson Springs. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a like. Send us feedback and comments as well as your thoughts on the film. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at S underscore Q underscore F underscore S. If you would like to send us a question or a comment for next week's episode, you can email us at sqfilmstudents at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.